Welcome to Your Best Riding Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. And as always, I am so very glad that you're listening in today. Today, we're going to be looking at five tips for the first-time writers. Whoa, my industry expert, you got to love this guy, Larry J. Leach II. Let me tell you a little bit about Larry. Writing coach of award-winning authors and senior editor at Ironstream Media. Larry has spent nearly 40 years writing and editing. And if you look at him, you're not going to believe it because he's a youthful looking guy. I'm just going to tell you. He has ghostwritten nearly 30 books and edited more than 300 manuscripts for numerous publishers. For more than a decade, Larry has taught at inspirational and general market conferences nationwide. Please welcome with me Larry J. Leach the second to your best writing life. It is so good to have you here with me, my friend. Linda, it's good to be here as well. Thank you for having me. The first thing I'd like to do, Larry, is I want us to journey into the inside life of our expert. I like doing that. I kind of consider it a peek behind the curtain. So if you would share something with us that maybe we would not read in your bio. Yeah. Okay. Two things come to mind. One is I'm a big Starbucks fan and I laugh because I have my morning Starbucks sitting right next to my computer right now. And the other thing, because <laughs> I have the golf channel on my TV right now, a friend the other day told someone that golf is my love language and <laughs> <laughs> they're not wrong. <laughs> Um, I love it. Just as an example, I won't go into a lot of detail, but I have a 13-foot putting mat in my office that I step onto a couple times a day just to work on the game. Wow. That's amazing. I know we had talked before, and you you have a lot of gadget gadgets that you enjoy using. So I need to, I'm going to have to tap into that list at some point, once we get off the episode, and I want to find out more about what helps you to be the best that you can at golf. As my husband, Sam, and I, we love when we travel, we love to be able to stop and hit some of the courses on the way. Mm -hmm. And yep. it just, you know, it's just a joy for us too. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, my All pleasure. Right. Hey, let's head into our content for today. You have five tips for the first time writer. And let's start off with you say we need to get connected. Share what that means, if you would, please. First-time writers, they have great enthusiasm. They, they get ideas and they start working on them. But in my time in the industry, I've noticed a first-time writer will often try to do it on their own. They'll research stuff on the Internet, which is not wrong. But I have found those who prosper the most— in their journey are the ones who get connected. Trying to do this in a vacuum all by oneself can be discouraging because we have an enemy that likes to sit on our shoulder and chirp in our ear and tell us how horrible we are. It doesn't matter if you're sitting down to write for the first time in your life or you've done this, you know, 100, 150 books. A couple different ways that a writer can get connected is 
attend a writer's conference. We have a number of great conferences in our industry. Conference seasons kicks off with the Asheville Christian Writers Conference at the Cove in Asheville. And we have the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference. We have the Carolina Christian Writers Conference. There's a conference in Florida, the Florida Christian Writers Conference, Greater Philadelphia Christian Writers Conference. You know, I could go on and on and on. There, there are a number of great conferences all out, all across the country. I typically stick to the East Coast, but we have a number of conferences. So go to conferences and get connected with other writers and attend classes. Uh, one mistake that I think new writers make is they have an idea and they attend their first conference and they want to pitch their idea. And there's nothing wrong with that. The mistake that I see them make is that's all they want to do. They don't want to or are reluctant to attend class mm. and learn more about the craft. Uh, Cease Murphy, who has since retired, the the great Cease Murphy, those of us who mm. know Cease know how much he has poured into writers in our industry. Cease was adamant about continuing to learn even into his 80s after he had published almost 200 books. So I would encourage new writers to learn, go to a conference, take classes, learn your craft and join a writer's group. There are a number of writer's groups all across the country. And this is a place, whether you meet online or in person, where you talk with others who were, have been called to write something, whether it's a novel or an article, nonfiction book, and there's strength in numbers. You know, you critique each other and you give each other feedback. Even if you don't know the craft well enough at when you first start, you can always give another writer feedback, particularly how it affects you emotionally. You know, emotion to me is a big part of writing, that emotional connection with the reader. So if you don't know the craft the way you think you should know it, you could still give feedback on do you connect with the words that have been written? And then the third one is a writing coach. I've been a writing coach for about 12, 14 years and in talking with other writing coaches, we've seen an uptick in how many new writers are using coaches now. And personally, I think it's because it can be lonely and having that person come alongside a new writer helps keep them encouraged it helps them in the sense they have someone not only cheering them on, but teaching them things they didn't know because we all write with the knowledge we have at that particular moment. Mm. So to have a coach come alongside you and guide you through a process, I believe has been a big help. I know a number of coaches who have repeat customers. One instance, this particular author has been with her coach through six novels. Wow. So, you know, that's nice for the for the writer and for the coach. You know, they've got that that camaraderie going and mm -hmm. they understand each other. And, you know, the writer has confidence in their coach that the coach will help make them better because that's a coach's job is to take a manuscript and get it to a publishable level. And along the way, hopefully the writer will learn some things. This is good. I like it. We've got three three things right there 
three actions mm -hmm. that the first time writer and even some of those that, you know, this isn't your first go at it. Attend conferences. You're going to find them everywhere. Join a writer's group. They're accessible everywhere. And consider getting a writing coach. They're all different. Check them mm -hmm. out. Interview them as they interview you yeah. to see if you're a good fit. This that's is a, really good. That's a good point because not all relationships work out. And the writer, the author needs to know they can trust their coach. Yes. Because a good coach, they push the writer to be better. They encourage mm -hmm. the writer to be better. The writer, the author needs to know that the coach, and this is very important in my opinion, the coach has to have the writer's best interest at heart. Oh, that's good. They do. They do. Yeah. Because as a coach, it's no longer about you. Nope. When you have a client, you're all about the client and getting the yeah. results that the client is seeking. Yes. You may need to guide and redirect. Mm -hmm. And I use the word consider a lot in my coaching. I go, have you considered? <laughs> uh, <same>. Have you considered? <laughs> my, my youngest brother, um, he heard me coach while we were down home last summer. Um, down home is in Florida. And he said, you use the word recommend a lot. <laughs> ah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Well, that's all. That's what we do. We don't, we don't tell them you must do this, but yeah. we can recommend ultimately it's their choice. It ultimately is. it's, it's, you know, their writing. And as you said, if we are about the results that they have sought, then there's times we have to press a little bit and say, this is the goal that you are seeking. Mm -hmm. If you wish to attain it, here are your options. Which one do you choose? And then we go from there. So that's good. All right. Now you say that we need to be a sponge, but that's similar to kind of getting connected or do you have a different angle there? The different angle with be a sponge is in a, in a conference or a writer's group or with a coach, learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can. Mm. I go, I go back to a person writes with the knowledge they have at that particular time. Keep learning, attend a writer's conference and attend a class. Even if you've taken, for instance, a self-editing class, which is very important, take it from two, two or three different faculty members, maybe not in the same conference, but at a different conference, because every faculty member, even if we teach the same topic, come at it from a different angle. Yes. So just be a sponge, soak up as much as you can, as quickly as you can. And with a writer's group, my experience with a writer's group, my first two years, when I transitioned from being a 23-year journalist to book writing, I sat for two years and took notes on other people's critiques before I took my first sample of writing for critique. Mm. I, ju I just sat and listened and, and took notes. I just wanted to learn as much as I could, you know, with the writing coach, just be a sponge, listen, listen to what your coach is, what they're trying to tell you. And there's, there's it's a take, <laughs> Go ahead. Now I was going to say it's, it's taking a deeper advantage of the opportunities. 
You can have connections. I can walk into a room and I can meet somebody and I can say, hi, I'm Linda. And they say, hi, I'm, I'm Mary. And yeah. how are you? I'm good. Great. So yeah. I've connected, but yeah. it's not until I go, tell me a little bit more about you. Tell me what you like. So I liken what you say as being a sponge to filling every every one of those little pores, mm -hmm. filling them up to overflowing so that when I get back home or when I finish with the writer's group or when I finish with my coach, because every good coach, I believe, also has a coach. Mm -hmm. And so when I finish with my coach, I can take what I have gleaned and squeeze it out. And mm -hmm. I have so much more than what I anticipated in that time spent. So I really like that analogy of uh, be a sponge. And I like the way you explain that on the back end too, that, you know, you squeeze it out into your work. And there have been times I've come home from writer's group and my wife asked, well, how was it? It was a good day if they tore my stuff up. It was a bad day if no one said anything. So to a first-time writer, when you take something and others offer suggestions in a, in a polite manner and they're not condescending or anything, if they tear it up, it's because they want to help you be the best that you can. So I would, yes. I would say don't be discouraged by it as, as long as it's done with the right heart when they give their critique, because we're all in this together. Whether this is a first time or a hundredth time, this is a process. It's a journey. It's it's never easy. Yeah. There, there's always a lot of work. And that's the one thing, too. I would encourage new writers to understand that this is work. Mm. It really is work. Unless you're incredibly talented and you could sit down at Starbucks in a week, write a 80,000 word novel and get it published and become a, a bestseller. That's the golden ticket, I guess. But <laughs> most of us are not like that. <laughs> no. We, we no. have to write and we have to rewrite and we have to study the craft and have people look at it and get feedback. So it's work, but it's, it's work, you know. Mm. On the back end, and I'm saying this with a big smile on my face, it is worth it. It is truly worth it. It is. I had to tell myself that I really, really like red. More so than now. I think years ago, everything that was edited was edited with a red pencil or a red pen or a red something. And the first time I got one of my writings back and my new best friend was red, I had mm -hmm. to decide... Either I'm going to like red or I'm going to fear red. Yeah. And when I recognized the redemption power of red, oh, am I getting spiritual? I can be. That's I'm known to do that. I realized it's removing the dross. It's mm -hmm. tightening up yeah. what it is that I'm wanting to say. Yeah. And it's getting to the point quicker so that I keep and maintain the intention of my reader. And I was like, I love this. This is so good. Now, as I grow, I, I hope that I have less red, but I'm always going to have red. It's always going to be there because that's, you know, I write in my wide mind 
And then someone else follows up and goes, well, that's kind of cute, but let's cut that. <laughs> let's just make it this way. That brings us to the third tip. And yeah, you mentioned there, this. There were a couple of segues, segues in there <laughs> about yes, rewriting, yes. you know. About rewriting. I felt yeah. those. I felt those coming on. So go yeah. for it. If if you don't have red on your page, there a couple things could go on there. One, the critiquers didn't have confidence to give you any opinion or they weren't interested. And that's a horrible place to be. The the one thing that you you said, I don't remember what it was now, sorry, but it made me think about unnecessary information when we rewrite. Unnecessary information or details will bog down your story. And in doing that, the reader could lose interest. And that is the worst thing that an author can do to a reader is have them lose interest. We want to write stories. We want to write self-help books and provide information that keeps the reader turning the page. You know, Mm -hmm. in each in fiction and nonfiction, those techniques are a little bit different, but it's still the same. It's to keep the reader interested and keep them reading. When we spend in today's market a page and a half writing description, some of the old classics, you know, relied on, we lose the reader. Yeah. Just just need to give them enough information that they can see what we want them to see and they can draw their own picture in their mind. So the rewriting, even Marie Everson, I'll drop a name here. Even Marie Everson has been a big influence on my career, particularly early on. And one of the first things I heard her say was, "Consider your, don't consider yourself a writer, but a rewriter. First drafts typically are pretty easy to write. You just let things flow, stream of conscience, but it's digging back in and cleaning up verbiage, finding the right verb, eliminating adverbs, you know, by finding a stronger verb, eliminating unnecessary information or details so you don't bog down the reader. Uh, Stephen James came to a writer's group a couple years ago that I attended, and he said that he will rewrite a scene 100 times. Mm. He said that that day I stopped and I thought, wow, I shouldn't complain about rewriting something two or three times. And I struggled with that early in my book career because being a journalist for 23 years, 18 years on daily newspapers, you didn't rewrite You'd write it right out of the gate because I was a sports writer. You go to a game, you you write it, and you make a pass through on it and send it off to the copy desk. You didn't make multiple passes. You didn't have time. Mm -hmm. But in a book, we do have that time. So don't be afraid of rewriting and reworking something. You know, I encourage a lot of novelists to write, and this isn't an original thought. This is picked up from a veteran novelist. Rewrite your ending five different ways. Mm. Uh, This person teaches that the first time it's typically cliche. So push yourself to think of different ways. But all of this is about rewriting, making it stronger each time. I have a list of words that I send my clients. I, I call them my terrible 30 to look for in a manuscript. And I encourage them to look for them one at a time instead of all at one time, because it can be overwhelming. If they follow that, you might make 30 pass-throughs on a manuscript. 
and it's all to try and make the manuscript better. That's where the work is done, is the rewriting. It really is. And I have just so many great writing friends that are those natural editors and amazing coaches. Peggy Sue Wells is a, a, Mm -hmm. a good friend of mine, and she'll always say to me, Linda, the reason they call a rough draft rough is because it is. Quit yes. trying to make it the best draft. That doesn't yeah. come for a while. So you've yeah. got to let it go. And I think that that's where some first-time writers, they either jump in and throw out anything, or they step in, look at it, start to write it, start to rewrite the very first line before they've yeah. written the whole concept. They yeah. can get bogged down in that. Can't they, Larry? Yes. I have seen a number of writers, not as much anymore, and I think it goes back to the writing coach, but I saw early in my book writing career, a number of other writers get bogged down trying to make that first paragraph, that first page perfect before they moved on. Mm. And then they wouldn't finish their book. Write it. Get it out. For example, I wrote an unpublished novel. I wrote the first draft just to figure out what questions, it's a murder mystery, what questions I needed to ask a detective because I did not want to ask rhetorical questions. Mm. I wanted to ask specific questions pertaining to this novel. So I wrote an entire first draft. Just write it. Just get it out. You can't publish a blank screen. No, you can't publish an unfinished manuscript. You've got to get it done. And the first step of getting it done is to write it and then go back and have a coach work with you or join a writer's group or go to a conference and get feedback. And to me, publishing is a group effort. You work you work with a writer's group or a writing coach or make have accountability partner that you meet at a conference. And then if an agent or an editor picks it up and you land at a publishing house and you get a marketing team around you, the editing team around you, the book titling team around you, it's, it's really a, it's a group effort. Mm. All right, let's move on to, and I like this, it must be really important because, you know, when we, when we hear someone say, you know, if a word is repeated or a phrase is repeated, especially in scripture, it must mean that it has a lot of value. So you have as our fourth tip, the concept of marketing. Wait a minute, marketing and marketing. So share that with us, Larry. Writers like to write. Okay. We we have story, we have messages, we love to write. Marketing usually is not a writer's forte, but we have to market our own books. And with first-time writers, they often don't think about marketing until they are done with their book. That's a big mistake. And I, I like to joke around, but this is, I'll be very serious about all of this here. Have to think about marketing when you write, even before you write. Who is your target audience? Who are you writing to? Who will be the buyer? Who will go into a bookstore or on an online site and buy your book? Mm. Think about those things before you start to write. If you want to write a romantic suspense, okay, you know who your target audience is. But read in that genre 
before you write to un there are certain nuances in that genre that are important. So try to pick up on those. Hire a coach. I keep going back to a coach. I'm sorry. I just, I feel it's just very important. Find a coach who knows that, that genre. But the marketing aspect, think about how you will get your message out. What avenues can you use to let people know that you have a book? Social media is old, has been a big thing for a long time now, but that doesn't always mean that people will buy your book. And one of the worst things an author can do is buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. I mean, people will just tune that out. One thing I stress in terms of marketing is know your hook. What can you tell someone in a sentence, 25 words or less, about your book? And that is not just used at conferences to try to land an editor, acquisition editor from a publishing house or for an agent. You can use your hook just about everywhere. We're going to go back to Starbucks. So you're in line. You strike up a conversation with a person behind you or in front of you. You tell them you're writing your book and they ask what it is about. If you spend three minutes telling them what it's about, they're gone. You've lost them. But if you tell them something succinct in 25 words or less, you'll get one of two responses. Oh, I like that. Tell me more. Or the dreaded, oh, that's nice. So <laughs> figure out your hook. I believe if you can't tell someone what your book is about in 25 words or less, you really don't know what it's about. You're still trying to figure it out. Mm, so work on truth. your hook. And know, know your competition. These are things that you need for your book proposal. And first-time writers often write their book proposal after they write their book. I would flip that mindset. I, I would try to write as much of your proposal before you write, particularly nonfiction, because your chapter summaries and your nonfiction book proposal, they become your, um, your guide. Right. They, they become your guide. So at least write that part. Know your competition because you need that for your book proposal, too. Your, we call them your comps. You know, what has been released in the last three to five years that is similar to your book, but how is your book different? You'll need to know that as well. But think about marketing before and during your writing process instead of waiting until the end because you can start teasing on social media while you're writing to help build interest. And you don't always have to mention your book. Just if you're writing a book about cancer is a popular topic. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with an example from there. You know, what is one thing that you would tell someone who has just been diagnosed with cancer? Okay. And get people to respond to that. You'll get a lot of comments. And again, this is just an example. As you move along, just ask more questions. People understand that you are gathering knowledge about cancer or you know something about cancer. So when your book comes out, they'll be like, oh, okay, I remember all these posts this person wrote about cancer. And it doesn't have to be your only post. You know, just drop it in every once in a while. Again, it's just an example. You could use that for any topic. Absolutely. And I think start early is a mindset mm -hmm. that is key here. It's never too early. 
if you're writing to reach a populace, they have to know you've written. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, all the front end work that you can accomplish is just going to shorten that paradigm once the book comes to fruition. And now you have actually an audience who is looking forward to what you have to say. You're finding out more about them, even in the writing process. Mm -hmm. And as you're asking those questions, Larry, in my mind, I'm going, well, I'm going to be gathering more answers. And you know what? I didn't have that in chapter three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to put that there because that's what everyone is responding to. Mm -hmm. So it's it's never too early. And it is number four. We got to know that uh, we have got to focus on marketing, marketing, marketing. I'm going to summarize what we have here. Your first four tips are get connected, be a sponge, be a rewriter, and then market, market, market. I have one more thing I want to say about marketing, Mm -hmm. particularly for the first time writer. Start building platform as quickly as you can, as early as you can. You have to show in your book proposal, not what you will do, what you are doing now. Go out and start making connections with your local libraries, your bookstores, that social media. It's not just a social media presence. It's a digital imprint. Publishers want to know how active you are. They'll Google your name while they look at a book proposal. And if they have trouble finding you online, that could be a red flag. But if they see that you have done interviews and you've written articles and gotten them published and writing blogs and a newsletter, you know, just work on your digital imprint as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. So the last one's what again? Oh, the last one. I'm I'm really interested in this because I'm trying to, I'm like, ooh, I want this mindset. How's this going to work for me? You say we need to think like a publisher. Yes, Probably been about 20, 22 years since an author could turn in a manuscript and the publishing house would take full control and full responsibility of marketing the book, getting in front of readers. Publishers, even with traditional authors nowadays, want the author to sell books. I have a friend, first book, sold 5,000 copies. The publisher sold 2,500 and she sold 2,500 herself. And I watched how hard she worked to sell 2,500 copies. And it is work. So to think like a publisher, it goes back to the marketing that I mentioned a few minutes ago. How can you get your message? How can you get your story in front of people? Hand selling a nonfiction memoir is different than selling a cozy mystery. The audiences are different. You need to know where the audience is. You know, TikTok is a big thing right now on social media, but is that viable for your product? Because you're selling a product. So when you think like a publisher, think where you need to go to let people know that you have product. That's, That's one thing. The other thing is think like a publisher. How do I get connected with people? And it goes back to conferences. Conferences can be a great thing for authors to get connected and and meet people, exchange ideas, think like a publisher, stay up on what's happening in the industry, read blogs, read marketing analysis, particularly read blogs from agents, 
there are great magazines out there. If I can drop a name on one, Writer's Digest, I highly recommend uh, author reads Writer's Digest because they stay up on what's happening. Those are a couple things to think like a publisher. You have to know what's coming down the pike. It, for instance, you know, if memoirs aren't selling, why would you try to market a memoir right now? Mm-hmm. If YA dystopia is on the downswing, I, I'm not saying don't write it. If God's put it on your heart to write, write it. But also realize it may not be the time to try and market this and sell it to an agent or an editor. They're all cycles. Everything will come back around. But those are a couple couple tips for thinking like a publisher. No, these are good. And it doesn't mean that we have to be a publisher. It's understanding what they're looking for, understanding where they go, Mm -hmm. and be active in the industry. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've heard from several publishers as well is that they're like, I really like it when someone sits in front of me, they know what we're publishing. They know Mm -hmm. what we're about. So it's not only just think like a publisher, but if you are considering a publishing house, get to know them. And I do like what you said there, Larry, is that we need to be reading articles and posts that are written by agents. Mm -hmm. And there's publishing houses that have content that they put out and they put it out there because they want those that they represent to know this is what's important to us. This is what's important in the industry. You mentioned it before. It's work to write. When you sit down with a publisher in particular, we know if you're paying attention to what's happening in the market by doing some of the things we've talked about today. And that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Makes a big difference. It really does. You have given us a lot to consider today, Larry. And if our listeners will take three of the items out of the five, I mean, they are going to ramp up their writing. I would suggest you consider doing all five because Mm. this is powerful here. Five tips for the first-time writers and those that are choosing to excel in their writing as well. Thank you so much, Larry, for sharing this with us. I've got a question for you. I know we talked about golf at the front end and you you were like, hey, I've got the golf channel on. I'm, I'm about golf. What else brings you joy? I will say this with a big grin on my face, my wife. Mm. Uh, Wendy and I... We just have a lot of fun together. If someone bugged our house, they would hear a lot of laughter. They Aww. would they would hear all the inside jokes that uh, couples have. I mean, one of the things we love to do is quote movie lines. And we're big mo- we're big movie people, and one of us will throw out a movie line, and we'll just crack up because we know what the what we're talking about. The other one in reference to, and yeah, my wife, my family. I, I, Family's very important to me. That's why we live where we do. We have a two and a half year old granddaughter. And again, I've got a big old grin on my face as I talk about her. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's a grandparent knows that, you know, she's our only one right now. And, but yes, uh, my wife, family, granddaughter, they, they bring me a lot of joy. And I've met Wendy and she brings me joy too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. She is I I married up. I know that. 
Well, you know, there are some of us wives that get really excited when when our husbands um, acknowledge that. So that makes it a really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think I'm married up as well. My husband, Sam, is is wonderful and he brings me a lot of joy. We get to spend a lot of our time together now. We are empty nesters with a full life. And when we bring that additional fullness with each other, then it just makes getting up every day a joy. Mm-hmm. And I can see how I can see how you would be that for Wendy as well, Larry. Well, thank you. I appreciate oh, that. Larry yeah. Leach, you you bring you bring us joy. Mm, thank you, you do. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on with us. And folks, we'll have uh, Larry's information in the show notes, of course. A couple little links there for you as well. And Larry, just thank you for bringing all of this. I know that. There are conferences that you attend, that you teach at, and I highly suggest, folks, that you find where Larry's at, get some extensions, because there's so much more. We were discussing, you can't cover all of this in 35, 40 minutes, and Larry's at several conferences, and he'd love to connect with you there. Are there a few off the top of your head? I know we are in the um, ending up or in the month of February. So which ones are you going to be at over the next few months? Next month at the Carolina Christian Writers Conference, Wendy will be there. She's a volunteer. I will teach a couple classes. I don't remember which ones. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, it's okay. I, I will be at Blue Ridge as well in May. PenCon in early May. That's an online conference. And if someone comes up and introduces themselves and heard me here first, please mention that. So. Uh, yeah. We have that. We have that connection. Oh, that'd be good. I like people to be connected mm-hmm. through your best writing life. I think that that's fabulous. One of the reasons is we do have amazing guests that love to pour out into the lives of writers, and Larry, you surpass that. So mm-hmm. you're much appreciated here, my friend. Same. You are too. Uh, Linda, your ministry reaches a lot of people and it helps a lot of people. And I appreciate what you've done for the community of writers. Thank you so much. It is a joy. It is a joy for me. And I do thank you, my friends, for joining us each and every week right here. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.